I'm Laura Green. Welcome to the Sapphic Book Review Podcast, the show that brings you the best in sapphic fiction. Join me as I chat with authors, narrators, and friends who share my love for the genre. You will learn things you didn't know about your favorites and get some suggestions for your next read. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe. The Sapphic Book Review Podcast. Today's guest is a best-selling author and helps to promote the works of others. Casey Luck, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thanks. It's great to be here. I appreciate it. Where Love Leads was released earlier this month. For anyone who hasn't read it yet, tell them about Melanie and Milo. Uh, Melanie and Milo are a contemporary romance couple who are opposites attract. So I decided to write opposites attract. I've done it a couple of times, but this was pretty significant because Melanie is uh, 50 plus years old socialite who's married to a rich billionaire who she's estranged from, basically. And she needs to be rescued, which I do a lot of rescuing in my novels, if you've, <laughs> if you've noticed. And she's viewed by, by Milo, who is a 20-something a woman who actually has a felony on her record, so she struggles a little bit with her employment and, of course, felonies because she did something stupid earlier in her life. And she's not a bad person, of course. Just one of those things. And so they come together and they have a road trip. It's a road trip novel. And they don't like each other in the beginning of the drive across the country from Los Angeles to New York. But by the time they get there, of course, they've had all kinds of trials and tribulations and they fall in love. <laughs> yeah, you just uh, hit a lot of tropes in that age gap. <laughs> <laughs> a shotgun approach. <laughs> Darkness San Francisco, a novella was released earlier in the year. This is book five in the Darkness series. What's next for these characters? Oh, wow. The Darkness characters, there's a lot of them. So the series, like you said, book five, now has uh, 11 possible narrators, depending on who I want to include, which point of view I want to include in the next story. And they're located all over the West Coast now. So it's going to make it even more challenging. But I'm going to probably be run out of town if I don't do something with Taylor, Jackie, Lexi, and Anna in the next novel, because they're the core four from the first book. And people want to know what's happening with them. So I am going to set it back in Astoria, and it's going to be the next bit of their saga. So that's what to look forward to next in the Darkness series if you're waiting for the next book. All right. Sounds good. Everybody Needs a Hero has over a thousand reviews on Amazon, more than any of your other books. Why do you think it resonated so much with readers? And have you ever been in an earthquake? I have been in an earthquake. Yes, I lived in Los Angeles in the 90s, and there were small earthquakes. I didn't get hit by the big one. It happened like two months before I moved down there. There was a big one. That, <laughs> That's lucky. Yes. The one that stopped the World Series and everything that happened on the West Coast, that one I, I was lucky enough to miss. But I do love Los Angeles, and that's why a lot of my books have Los Angeles theme somewhere in them. And I like adventure stories. And I thought, why not have a catastrophe novel and set it with an earthquake? Because I know how you prepare for that and what it might feel like. And I ran with it. It was, it was a lot of fun. I really had a good time writing it. And I think it came through the book that I enjoyed writing it that much because it's my most popular. Yeah, it is. And Tess, I'm kind of kind of hot for her. <laughs> yeah, Tess. She's pretty <laughs> awesome. I can't believe she crawls under there. And, never mind. That's a, that's a spoiler. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which of your other characters would handle the challenges faced in the Darkness series the best? Uh, well, talking about Earthquake Heroes, Bryce would, of course, because she's a badass Marine character. Milo would probably do pretty well. She's pretty resourceful. But 
really, it's just all about Taylor. You know, Taylor's the ultimate badass, and that's why she's the star of the Darkness series. Have you ever thought about taking your characters from your other books and dropping them in the Darkness series just to see what happens? You know, it has crossed like a my crossover mind. Event. Yeah, crossover a little bit, but the timelines would be kind of weird. I'm not sure how I would quite work that out. But it would be kind of fun. I, I did some crossovering a little bit in my sports romance, Can't Fight Love. So if, if you're a diehard reader and you've read absolutely everything, then you'll know that um, they go to the coffee shop that's actually run by the woman who is one of the main characters in the Earthquake book. So, I mean, so it's like they go to Landish Coffee. You got to interweave things. I mean, you could do a time travel book. I would love to do a time travel book. It's actually one of my favorite tropes. So I would love to do it. It has to be on the list. Yes. I mean, you pretty much nailed everything else. I know, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, the subject matter of your books is so varied from vampires, erotica, dystopian, sports, and romance. Which genre do you feel most comfortable writing and which is your favorite to read? Definitely the adventure. The ones where there's action happening all the time. I, I struggle with the contemporary romance ones because it's all just drama and angst and emotions. And I like to have earthquakes and tornadoes and, you know, apocalypse. It helps move the book along and it makes it more interesting for me to write. So I think it's more interesting to read. And that, that's what I like to pick up when I read a book too, is something that's got adventure in it. So my next uh, Casey Luck book will be an adventure. So people can look forward to more action in the next one. So you're not just sitting around going, oh, sweet, lovely book and writing all this snuggles and smooches and all that. It's yeah, not it's your jam. That's why I actually, <laughs> actually, I even like erotica better because you can always throw in a sex scene when you get bored. <laughs> so it's like, but oh, yeah, you, you have to. Contemporary romance is like you can, but it's just, yeah, no. It's too much feelings. It's feelings are boring. Too, feelings are boring. I agree. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because I, I know when we were traveling to Target, when we were in Albuquerque, you were talking about how you don't even like to read romance novels. <laughs> oh, now you're giving me the big secret. <laughs> Casey, like romance author, does not like to read romance. That's true. That's true. You're just your basic, your average everyday romance novel just doesn't do it for me. I need something to be going on. You need there to be tragedy and, you know, yeah. possibility of death. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> or sex. One or the other. So, yeah. yeah, well, I know which one I prefer. <laughs> If you could have dinner with only two of your couples, which two would you choose and why? I have always thought it would be totally awesome to sit down with Taylor and Jackie for sure. Because I just love that couple. Jackie's actually probably my, my most favorite character, even though she's one of the original ones that I've written. I think just hanging out with her would be, she's just witty and smart and, and just she's just Jackie. But so her and Taylor, of course, would be a great to sit down with. And then, um, you know, Lexi and Anna from the same novel would be fun. Um, but some of my newer characters, you know, I think actually Milo and Melanie would be, would be interesting to sit down with because there's a lot of layers to them. That's why this novel is different than anything I've written before, because I actually add a lot of emotion. And so they're actually maybe more well-rounded than some of my other characters. And do you have any crushes on any of your characters? Jackie. Jackie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jackie's, Jackie's the ultimate fantasy. Dream girl. Yes. If she were in a movie, who would be Jackie? Oh, see, that's a tough one. I really I don't know. I mean, I kind of, when I was first writing it, I was kind of thinking like a Michelle Pfeiffer kind of character because I'm dating myself now. Yes, I'm over 52. <laughs> so those who don't know who Michelle Pfeiffer is, but Michelle oh, Pfeiffer, they if they don't, yeah, yeah, you know, 
I was kind of thinking still hot. she's still hot. She's she's an amazing actress. She's an amazing actress. So I was thinking someone along those lines. But then as the books went on, I kind of saw her more as a redhead, more of a Susan Sarandon because she comes becomes more resourceful. She's kind of helpless in the first book, but by the fifth book, she's well the fourth book. She's not in the fifth book. The fourth book, she's actually really resourceful and so more of a Susan Sarandon. So okay, yeah. Nothing wrong with Susan Sarandon. Nope. I think she's a little weird, but that's okay. Yeah, well, I'm not her personality. I'm more of her looks and how she <laughs> acts. Who's your favorite supporting character from one of your books? <laughs> Let's keep going back to darkness. <laughs> Alice. You do. Absolutely. Alice. Alice is the best. She's the uh, elderly woman who they meet up with in Seattle and use her car to get back to Astoria. And she's over 70 and has kind of a cool backstory. And I would love to write a novel just about her previous story about her falling in love but it just hasn't come up on the to-do list yet but she's she's fun and she's funny she's smart i mean i just love those characteristics and people and plus i love older characters like that in the books they just bring so much to the stories they do well you should put that on your list alice's story alice's it's on the list it, it just keeps getting bumped around why did you start i read indies a couple years ago indie authors were kind of under the shadow of a stigma that they weren't very good writers. And I got into a discussion with someone, I'm not going to name who it was or who it is or whatever, but they were making it sound like that we were not as significant as published authors because I'm an indie, obviously. And so I took offense and I pointed out that we are as good as or even better than a lot of the published authors. I don't think that makes a big difference. And I started talking to some of my friends who are indies, and they're like, you know what? If if we ever got together, we would actually be pretty powerful. You know, we'd actually be able to have a voice and make a difference and join in all this stuff. So I said, you know, hey, why not? I work full time. I write part time. I have a lot of hobbies, and why not add something else to the list? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I started Irene Indies, and made an ad and put it in the, the GCLS virtual series event and it ran from there and I got I've got 184 people in the collective now who have all signed up who get the newsletter and who participate in the new release videos and things like that but it's come a long way that's the cool thing is that in the last two years since it started up this last GCLS conference we degraded the awards we were really well represented and our readership has gone up like crazy people are reporting that it's just yeah, we're recognizable. People recognize the indies as, as good as published. So I achieved my goal. The, the trick is now what to do next. So <laughs> we'll see. If I think about my favorite authors, most of them are indie authors. There's a lot of us. And what is great is like I was talking to Haley Cass a few weeks ago when she was talking about those who wait and how if it were a published novel, she would have had to have cut like a third of it off. And you don't have to do that. You can make it exactly what you want. And I can write whatever I want, which I do, obviously. So yeah. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you live in Oregon. What do you love most about your state? Oh, it's a beautiful state. It's Well, it's blue. That helps so that it's nice and liberal. I live in Portland, which is a very laid-back, open-minded, everyone-is-accepted city. But it's just it's a gorgeous state. It's green. You've got mountains, and you've got oceans and rivers and if you like to do a hiking or kayaking or anything, you can do that here. Plus, there's lots of arts and culture. I mean, we've got some great theaters. I mean, it's just, I love Portland especially, but Oregon, which is where I grew up, it just has everything. I leave all the time. I, I've lived all over the 
world, actually, in places. I lived in Australia for a while, stuff like that. And I always come back to Oregon because it's just no place it beats here. I've never been to Oregon, and it's definitely on my list. Oh, yeah. It's actually one of the th- places I would move because it has all of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen the hiking trails, and I've seen you on your kayak yeah. <laughs> on the internet, and I'm like, I could do that. That would be fun. And, of course, I'm in Missouri. We are not, we are not a blue state. No. We are a super, super red hillbilly state. Well, come on out to Portland, and we'll go out to dinner, and I'll show you around. All right. I'll tell all. my partner. Yes. I was totally be like, listen. We got to make plans. Yes. Bring her out and let's do it. All right. From our time together at the Albuquerque grocery store. Yeah. I know you take your craft beer very seriously. What are your beers of choice these days? I am addicted to the hazies, the hazy IPA, which is (laughs) Indian pale ales with a hazy twist. And it's started out on the West Coast. I think it might even start in the Pacific Northwest, and it is starting to slowly spread across the country. And it's just basically your average IPA with extra hops added to it and then a bunch of junk, which makes it not clear. <laughs> so, so I like mango and things like that. And it, and it, the just, the flavors are fabulous. I love the hazies. So I'm a, I am a huge microbrew fan, which by the way, Portland is a microbrew capital of the world. They have more, wow, I didn't know that. Yep, more microbrews than anywhere else per capita. You seem pretty easygoing, but there have to be things that get on your nerves. What are your biggest pet peeves? Mm, yeah, I have to say that the thing that puts me off the most is when I run into someone who's selfish. I just, I really struggle with arrogance and selfishness. Yeah, that puts me off a lot. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm for sure everybody says that. Well, you know, we don't like selfish people. But, you know, when they come across that way, when they come across like their interests are more important than your interests and they don't even listen to what you are really saying to them. And, and instead, they kind of just poo-poo it or move on or think they're smarter than you or whatever. And I'm not saying I'm the smartest person in the world, but I don't like it when <laughs> someone tries to point out to me that maybe they're smarter than I am. So I don't like I don't like any of that. And of course, I don't like lazy that, that drives me crazy because, I mean, there's there's not enough hours in the day as it is. There's no time to sit back and watch, binge watch TV shows every day. Once in a while, sure, but not every day. I don't watch television. What, really? So you haven't watched A League of Their Own? No, I haven't. Sorry. Oh, I've got to watch that. I That's know. the best. I've heard it's supposed to be really good. I do. If I watch anything, I watch some reality TV or documentaries and things like that, but I don't watch much. I watch food shows. I don't cook, really, but I like to watch those food competition shows. Those are fun. I do like that. Reality TV stuff like that is great. Yeah, it's great to just have on. I can do other things. I don't have to pay a lot of attention to it. But occasionally, you got to sit down and you got to watch them a league their own. I mean, you got to support your your people. I know. I hear really good things about it. I will do it once the weather gets nasty and starts to rain. And once and I can't, I can't go yeah, outside. Once you can't leave your house, yeah, exactly. Then I will definitely give it a look. Okay, I will expect a full report. Okay, <laughs> it'll be on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. What is something about you that would come as a surprise? I don't think people realize that I'm actually more uptight than I appear. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, I have a lot of anxiety. I I deal with anxiety. It's something that I do a lot of meditation and occasionally do therapy for when when it's really bad. I make it look easier than it is, I think. (laughs) So people don't always appreciate the fact that, yeah, that actually is. A little nerve-wracking. It is a little harder than than uh, I might make it sound because even talking to you today, 
I hope, probably, I don't know, come across as confident <laughs> so, and laid back. But actually, I did have anxiety around it. You know, I was trying to figure out, you know, how do I want to sound and just be myself. I always tell myself, just be myself. But I have a lot of anxiety around it. Well, and I'm also super intimidating. Yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> You're awesome. I knew this was going to be fun. <laughs> I have anxiety, too, and I play it off like I don't. Yes, yes. Uh, you don't come especially, across that way. Yeah. Especially after those two years, basically, in isolation with COVID. Yeah. Any social skills I had kind of just got put to the back burner, and I just became like this super introvert, even more so than I was before. Yeah. That happened to a lot of people. Yeah, COVID did no favors for anybody. But it's over now. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, just yeah kidding. depends on who you ask. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's, it's better. It's better. It's better. Casey, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time, and I'll see you in um, Denver next year. Okay, I'll see you around. Bye bye. Thanks for listening, and thanks again to Casey Luck for joining me today. To learn more about Casey and find links to purchase her books, visit casey-luck.com. And be sure to check out ireneindies.com. To support this podcast, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash sapphiclaura or join my Patreon at patreon.com slash sapphicbookreviewpod where you can hear your favorite authors play Would You Rabbit. Here's a sample of this week's with Casey Luck. Thanks for listening. Until next time, happy reading. Would you rather be a space ranger like Nat from the Her Heart series or a vampire like Saxon from Vin Vinandi? Vin Vinandi yeah. <laughs> oh, I would totally want to be the, the Saxon character. I want to be the vampire because <laughs> the way I wrote her, she's like a superhero. So, yeah, that would be. Although it's interesting because when I, when I wrote her, I realized being a vampire might kind of suck because everybody, you know, <laughs> Literally? Dies. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> But I made it so that she's not super happy with being a vampire. But I think if I chose between the two, I'd, I'd like to be her. Would you rather sing like a rock star or cook like a gourmet chef? <laughs> this, is a, this is a complicated answer. So back, at, <laughs> back, I'd say even before COVID, I would have wanted to be a rock star singer. But now with COVID, I learned to cook. That's what I did during all the home alone time. And I really love it. I didn't realize how much I would enjoy cooking. So yeah, being a chef would be, would be fabulous. <laughs>